This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain. Today on the podcast, we are going to look at a group of a specific group of people who some might say are unusual. Some might say they are, uh, some, I've heard some call them a cult. I don't think that's accurate. I've recently heard someone call them a cult, but I don't think that is as accurate. But we're looking at a, a, what's that? I don't think they know what they're talking about. Would you call the Jews a cult? No, I would not. I would not. I didn't say I did. I said I've recently heard someone do it. I'm not going to drop any names like Jonathan Simon, but some other people might. I'm I'm kidding. So as we... As we think about uh, this group of people, uh, we can go ahead and say it. it's the Essenes. Or is it the Essenes? Essenes, I say. Essenes. That's a it good thing. It could be Essenes. You're probably right. Who knows? Either one. It, it really doesn't matter because what we're asking, the, what we're trying to answer today is why does this group of people matter? When you read the Bible, you often read about different groups of people, different things that happen. And, and sometimes you can might get to the point where you're like, how does this matter to me? What, what impact does this have? And as we've talked about it before, the more we understand about the scripture, the more it reveals about Christ, the more we understand about Christ, the more we love and worship Christ. And so this is a discipleship issue, really. It's a understanding and growing in knowledge of who God is, what the word is, and what it means to us today. And so I think this, this is one of those uh, topics that I find extremely interesting but also life-giving and is, as it encourages my faith as I understand Christ more. So let's, let's dive right in. We, we've been in the deep end of the pool for the last three podcasts. Let's just be honest. Yeah. I've, been, I've been doggy paddling with my, uh, with my little floaties on my arms. Train, with your training floaties. With my training floaties this entire time. And, uh, and today is no different. We're going we're gonna to dive in. We're going to keep talking about some of these interesting and yet helpful contextual elements of yep. the word. So let's, yes. let's look at why do the Essenes matter? Yeah. The question is not how to pronounce the Essenes. The question is who are the, <laughs> that's Essenes? a whole different, yeah, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's the question. Who are the Essenes and why do they matter to us today? Most of us don't know much about the Essenes. Um, and frankly, when I was a new Christian, I didn't either, but as you, as you see, when we end today's podcast, if you stick with us, you will see why these uh, people are important. Okay, so let's talk about how they started. Most people don't realize this, Chris, but prior to the Maccabean Revolt, think about this, four groups in Israel did not exist prior to the Maccabean Revolt. Four groups did not exist. We read the New Testament and think, oh, these guys have been around for a long time. They weren't. Relatively new. Pop quiz. Who are the four sects, as some would call them, groups, S-E-C-T-S, sects, yeah. oh, looked at me when I said that, sects. sects. It's, it's hard to say in a yeah. podcast, four S-E-C-T. Let's go with the group. Yeah. What are the four groups, Chris? What are they? I think I know, but can I throw out another piece of recent knowledge that I've gathered? Okay. The Maccabean Revolt, was that 167 B.C.? Yes. Look at you, dude. Yes. Something is stuck in here. Yes. It's clinging to my memory uh, element in my brain. It's hanging on by a very thin thin thread. So I'm going to throw out uh, the Sadducees as one of these groups. We talked about them last week. And by the way, the priesthood we talked about last week, the corrupt priesthood, were the Sadducees. 
There you go. Okay, so the corrupt priesthood, the ones who have purchased and stolen the priesthood, essentially, that was the Sadducees. Yes, and when you read the Bible, you have to remember, when it says the Sadducees come, think like the corrupt mafia of the day of Jesus. You know, wow. this corrupt priesthood. Go. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to go, is, is the Pharisees one of them or no? Yes, the Pharisees, Pharisees one of them. Okay. a whole podcast or two on the Pharisees, and I'm going to change your perspective from these evil, ignorant, out there, uh, corrupt group to show you that they're the closest theologically to Jesus of all four. Oh, wow. okay. okay. Number okay. three. Number three. Uh, number three. I'm going to go with the Essenes just because that's who we're talking the about. Essenes. Gotta yeah. throw that one in there. We're going to talk and, about and it. The, the fourth one's the fourth, I have no idea. I have no idea on the fourth one. The Herodians. You've heard of these groups in the Bible. The I've Herodians. Never heard of the Herodians. Were the uh, Republican gun carrying. Uh, you know, um, conservative okay. party hey. lines gotcha. uh, supporting patriotic nationalists. That's who these guys. Oh, okay. Where so I they were all about Herod. They were all about they were the about Herod. And sometimes okay. their devotion to the King Herod uh, blurred the lines of their faith in God. We'll just leave it at that. Never seen a group like that before. Okay. Never. And what's interesting about these groups is there's nothing new today, Chris. You're going to see. You have. Yeah. You have a corruption in, in the in the in the you know in the ministry today. You have guys who are very legalistic, like the Pharisees. You have the Essenes, as we'll see, the very the guys who are sick of the corruption of the system. And then you mm. have the Herodians, the nationalists today. All right, we're going to talk about the, the the Essenes. The Essenes. Here's a couple of things to remember. Number one, they were priests. Okay, that's what you have to realize. These were priests. Now, why is that important? Because to be a priest in the first century was a privilege. Mm. What do I mean? These guys had access every time they served in the temple to the choice meat of lamb. Ooh. They ate the best food, okay? Because you gotta understand, when they grilled that uh, barbecue lamb on the altar of God, they ate it afterward. People don't realize this. They didn't just throw it away. I didn't realize they, it. Yeah. they ate that, okay? And they had, and then the, the, uh, the, the choice foods in the temple. Another thing we found out from archaeology was that there was indoor plumbing in the temple in the first century. Now think about that. Indoor plumbing. So you had running water. You had uh, indoor plumbing for bathrooms. In addition to that, they would be fanned at times by people to keep them cool. And so they, all that to say, they lived the life of luxury. Okay? Yeah. The Essenes realized that they would rather give that up than to live among a compromised people who were in corruption from the Sadducees, from the Hellenistic influence. And so what they said is, we're going to give all that up, and we're yeah. going to follow God's leadership. Now, turn with mm -hmm. me, Chris, if you have a Bible or a cell phone, uh, to the book of Isaiah, okay? Here's what happened. They read the book of Isaiah, and they actually took the book literally, okay? They took the wow. passage literally, which we, we should it in the Bible, obviously, at times. Uh, we take passage literally. Some are written uh, prophetically. Some are written uh, symbolically. But uh, they yeah. took this passage literally, okay? Okay, and which passage is Isaiah 40, verse 3. Okay. Right? You want me to read it? 40, verses 3 through 5. I want you to read this passage. This passage is the text they live by. Okay. A voice of one crying out. 
prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. That's the key Make word. Make a straight highway. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. There it is. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Oh, okay. So strong. that's a strong passage. And a couple key things you see in there is this. The word desert or wilderness. Now, let's correct our thinking. This is not a luxurious, luxurious beachfront, um, Fiji, clear water, picturesque, uh, beachside image. Okay. Uh, I know it's a lot of badges, but this is, yeah, I was going like, to say, wherever you're talking about sounds really good. Yeah, no, this is not the uh, Destin, Florida uh, day at the beach here. We're talking about when the Bible says wilderness, uh, we're not talking about lush Amazon desert uh, wilderness. We're talking about a desert. Okay. Mm. A desert. Now, the desert in the Hebrew Bible or the Hebrew mind stood for a couple things, Chris. The desert brought to mind a couple things, okay? One of which was what? Do you know? The desert brings in uh, solitude. Yes, part of it. But ultimately, write this down if you're listening, testing. The desert was always a place of testing. Mm, now, that's true. go back to the Old Testament, just remember... Give, give me some examples, Chris, before we go to break. A couple examples of key Jesus. men and women of God, Old Testament. Yeah. A couple examples, because remember, they don't oh, have yeah. Jesus yet. Okay, Moses. Moses. What did Moses do? <laughs> you got 40 years in the desert. Yes. But also prior to that, he yes. went away essentially to the desert before he had the burning bush experience. Okay, yeah, okay. Moses' whole life. I was going to say, that's, that's, that's it. I'm not giving you any other answers. Not just because I don't know, but because that's a good one. Okay. Uh, Abraham, God told him to leave his hometown and wander through the desert, through the wilderness to get to the place of promise. Okay. Let's think of another. Let's think of one. What's another? (laughs) Do you know another, Chris? Elijah. What is another? Elijah. Yes. Goes to the mountain of God in the wilderness. He travels across that long journey. Elijah has to travel through seven deserts to get to the mountain of God after he's under the broom tree. So you see this Mm. over and over in the Bible. Yeah. The desert is a place of testing who is preaching in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Quoting this passage, make straight the highways of God, repent John the Baptist of vipers, John the Baptist, who goes to be tested by the spirit thrusted into the desert. I think we answer that that one right after this break. Do you have a vision for the groups in your church but don't know how to make it happen? Replicate's Group Ministry Masterclass is a one-stop course to help you create, launch, and sustain your group's ministry. These training videos, implementation exercises, and resources will guide you to create your own group's playbook that is unique to your context. You can access this masterclass today at replicate.org slash groups. And we're back. We're talking about the desert as a place of testing. And we mentioned a lot of Old Testament books. We mentioned John the Baptist preparing the way. And then we landed on who went to be tested in the desert and really probably 
uh, the key person who spent time in the desert here, and that would be Jesus Christ, right? The, the temptation in the desert, uh, the 40 days in the desert, uh, yet another example of who, who the Essenes are really tracking with. Who's the one in the New Testament after John the Baptist who goes in the desert to be tested? That's Jesus. By, yes, Jesus. Okay, so the desert is a place of testing. Now, remember, this is an arid place. Uh, this is a place with limited water. This is a place with sweltering heat. This is a place of testing. It's a place of chaos. It's a place of emptiness, like you said earlier. It's a place of silence, solitude, isolation, and despair. The thing you have mm -hmm. to realize about God, when God sends a man or a woman into the desert, it's always to strengthen and to mm -hmm. mature them, never to break them down or beat them up, okay? The second thing the desert or the wilderness shows us, and this is important, is that it's a place of hope, it's a place of promise, it's a place of renewal or rebirth. God has mm -hmm. to take the nation of Israel through the desert in order to get to the promised land of provision and promise mm. and blessing and milk and honey that flows endlessly. So the desert is symbolic. So notice what Isaiah 40 says. Let's go back. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. So here's what the Essenes mm -hmm. did. This group of priests who lived in the lap of luxury decided mm -hmm. to go to the desert in order to meet God, because here's what they realized. They took this passage literally to mean, Chris, if they went to the desert and they mm -hmm. stayed in the desert and they ate sandstorms in their mouths daily, and it's an endured 100% humility next to the Dead Sea and overlooked a body of water that they could never drink from the Dead Sea. And they stood mm -hmm. in heat and rain and humidity. And if they did this long enough, watch this. Look at the last part, verse five. And here it is, they believe. And if you do this, the glory of what? The Lord. What? Will appear. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a promise that mm. many would consider. Chris, here's the deal. Here's the deal, Chris. You're going to go in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. You're not going to eat food nor bacon. You're going to be That's alone. That's a, a very That's tough, a tough call. You're going to be alone. Your family's going to be at home. But at the end of your season of testing, the Shekinah glory of God is mm. going to be manifested before you. What a promise, okay? So you think of the- I'm take him up on that promise. Yes, you think of the tenacity. You think of the faithfulness of these guys. Now, will they ultimately miss the very glory that they've been waiting for with the appearance of Jesus? Yes, but we'll get to that at a future episode. But they mm -hmm. prepare the way of the Lord in the desert. And here's what happens. Mm -hmm. It shows us that this group of people are passionate about meeting with God. I wonder how many of us, sadly, Hmm. live lackadaisical lives. In a sense, we can't even wake up on a, on a Sunday morning to turn on an iPad to watch a service or to drive down the street to worship with our faith family. Hello. Hello. It's hard times. It's hard times to sit in your air-conditioned worship center. <laughs> well, yeah. And listen, here's the thing. 
you can throw you. We started this podcast by saying these guys are a cult or a sect. Mm -hmm. This cult or sect, you call it what you want, had more commitment to God, and they didn't even have Jesus as their personal savior, nor did they have a filling of the Holy Ghost, which we have today. Mm. And you think of the passion these people have. So what are they yeah. known for, Chris? They're known for being copyists of the Bible. This is what they did. They went to the desert and they copied the Bible. Now, the way they copied the Bible was pretty amazing. It took four people to actually copy the Bible. One person sat at what they called a scriptorium. Uh, if we ever can go back to Israel, and maybe we will one day, uh, if you're listening, maybe you can go along with us. I take groups, which I have for years, to the Dead Sea, to the Qumran, where they're from, and we put our eyes on the actual rooms where they copied the Word of God. It's mind-blowing. Hmm. And there wasn't just one room. There were multiple rooms. Every room had a mikvah or a baptistry associated with it. And the way it worked is this, Chris. Someone would stand with the Word of God, and someone would read the, the Word. Baruch atah. Okay? A person would be over that man's shoulder, who was a priest in Essene, making sure he pronounced the word correctly. Okay? Mm. So you have one man reading, one man editing or overseeing. Sitting yeah. at the table was another Essene with a, with a pen in hand, writing on a vellum or, a, or, a, or, or an animal skin, and he would write down the words, Baruch Atah. Mm. Over his shoulder was another guy making sure he copied the words down perfectly. It took four guys to do this. Now, they would do this. Adonai Elohenu. You know, he'd write the next word. When they would get to the word of God. Now, there's been some speculation on if this is true or not. I'm going to share it. I've heard it yeah. for and against. I believe it's when you say When you say they get to the word of God, you mean when they get to the word that the means God, of Yahweh. God. Yeah, the, the name, name of God, God the, what they call the tetragrammaton, uh, mm. the actual name. That's a technical word for Yahweh, the name okay. of God. Now, you got to understand, Jewish, faithful Jewish men and women never pronounce the name of God. Mm. In fact, when you get to the name of God, you actually don't even pronounce the name of God. You insert the word Adonai, which is Hebrew for Lord. Mm. When I learned biblical Hebrew, we were taught that. When you got to Yahweh, you didn't even pronounce it, which is how they got the name, which this is probably a whole other podcast, but that's how we call him Jehovah. Did you know this? Hmm. I did not know I this. didn't know this. See, Jehovah is the actual same letters of Yahweh with different, different uh -huh. vowels. Okay. yod hey vav hey yod hey vav hey is Yahweh. Okay, the vowels are supplied. If you change the vowels, you have Yahovah, Yahweh, with different ah, vowels. Okay. That's how they get around. Say That's how you can say God without saying God. No, Thank God. Gotcha. So Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. Okay. So they would do this. Now, think of this. When they get to the name God, Yahweh, they put the pen down. They walk out to the baptistry, the mikvah. They get into the mikvah, and they cleanse their hands, what they touched that day, their head, what they thought, their heart, their affections, and their feet, where they went. They get out of the water ceremonially and prepare themselves to write the name of God in purity. Now, some of you are saying, that's ah, a little extreme. Okay, maybe so. But how different have we gotten today? 
where many of us look at the Word of God, and because we have access to the Word, we use mm-hmm. it flippantly or throwing throw it around casually or let it sit by our yes. bedside and never read it consistently. Mm-hmm. These people had such a love for the Word of God that they copied the Scriptures down. Now, here's what's cool about this. They copied every book of the Old Testament, which for them, Chris, was the only testament. Right. Except for one book. Oh, mama. One book did not. And the reason I know this is that when they uncovered the Qumran or the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1948, when they found the little shepherd boy, we might do a podcast on that. Remind me one day, Jonathan, when we come back to Essenes, which we will, the shepherd boy actually throws a rock, uh, finds a, a, here's a crushed piece of pottery in the top of a mountain in a cave. And then they find uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. They find every single, a piece from every single book in the Old Testament, except one book. And I'll give you a hint. It's the only book in the Old Testament where the name of God is not mentioned. Little tidbit there. The only book in the Old Testament where the name of God is not mentioned. And I think that's a good place to stop for next week. A little cliffhanger. We will find out more then. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. As always, we know there's a lot of podcasts. We appreciate you choosing Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. Check out the show notes on replicate.org. Next week, we will continue to discuss and potentially and hopefully answer the question of which book omitted the name of God that was discovered at replicate.men on Instagram, Replicate Ministries on Facebook. And if you wouldn't mind, Text a friend right now and tell them about the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and rate the podcast when you get a chance. Until next week, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.